Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the previous song we sang, talked about the prodigal road, the prodigal coming home and the father. Grace is the collision of those two people on the road. And it wasn't, you read the Bible, it wasn't, uh, wasn't passive. It wasn't dry and emotionless. It was a father who the Bible says had been looking for his son to come back. Looking. And then when, when he showed up, the father ran to him. You know, sometimes we talk about running to the father. The father ran to him. Threw his robe around him, put the ring on his finger. Called the servant, said, kill the fatted calf. It's time to celebrate. My son was lost and he's home. And the son offered himself as a repentant person should. And I'm acknowledging I'm not worthy, acknowledging that, you know, he had nothing to offer, that he'd come back and live as a servant. Dad would have none of it. He would have none of it. You're a son. And we had a prophetic word, just reinforce that this morning. Then Nikki came up and she was sharing with me the same picture that God this morning. God's calling you this morning. If you're a prodigal, then you know who you are. You've been running from God. You might be watching online and you've, you've just allowed your journey with Christ to get to a place where you're drifting further and further apart. The Bible says to the prodigal, come home. Come home. Why sit around for another minute outside of that kind of love? Why live another minute of your life separated from that kind of love? All you have to do is say, Jesus, here I am. I'm coming home. And he will run to meet you wherever you are. He will run to meet you wherever you are. And you say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. If anything, you need to understand this morning is that his grace is sufficient. That in my weakness, he is made perfect. And His grace is bigger than anything we've done. Anything I've done, anything you've done, it's bigger. And you can come to Him, and you don't wait to come to Him until you get it all together. Because as soon as you get it all together, then another sin's going to creep in. It's called pride. You're going to think, well, what do I need God for? I got this. That's for the 1% of the population that thinks they have it all together. But the other 99% of us know we don't have it together, and we need Jesus. Amen? So I want you to just lift up your hands to him this morning, wherever you are. If you're watching online or you're with us here today. And if you've been, whether it's been a, a slow drift or whether it's been a run in the opposite direction, and you know that God is not in the front view of your life and that you need to be restored to him today, know that the Father's been looking for you. And he's running to you today. And so with your arms wide open, would you just experience his love today? Experience his forgiveness today. Embrace his love for you today. Do not leave this moment without experiencing his love, without receiving his love. You might say, I don't know how to do that. All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry. Here I am. Take me. Here I am. Take me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Here we are, Lord. Take us today, Lord. Receive us today, God. Oh, mighty God, let your love cascade over us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if, if you're here this morning and that's been your heart's cry, Lord. And you're here in this building. I want you to see Mark after the service. Mark would love to talk to you about it. He would love to talk to you about it. He'd love to pray with you. He'd love to seal that commitment with you this morning. If you're watching online, call our office, 613-968-5348. Then you can pick any one of the people there. But I'd say pick Mark. He'd love to meet with you. He loves to drink coffee. He loves to hand out Bibles. He loves to just pray with people. He'd love to meet with you. But you can pick myself. And we would love to hear from you. And we would love to pray with you. And we'd love to 
We would love to secure that journey in Christ with you and help you go to the next level. Amen? Father, we just thank you for this time together in your presence. And Lord, as we look to your word today, Father, we, I'm excited. It's Kingdom Builder Sunday. Woo! Father, and I pray, God, today that, Lord, you will do something great in the hearts of the people. And that, Father, we will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Worship team, thank you so much this morning. Jeff, I mean, how many of you know Jeff had his appendix out on Wednesday and he's here playing this morning? Come on, Jeff. Uh, I said, how are you feeling? He goes, in pain, but he said, better to have those things out and have it done, have that gone away with. Now, I got this box of Kleenex up here. I'm not sure if this was because, you know, people were convinced the Bills were going to lose and I'd need this, or should I be giving this to Mike because the Chiefs are going to lose and he's going to need the box of Kleenex? I'm not sure. But uh, (laughs) either way, it's just a game. Everybody say, just a game. game. You know what isn't a game? The kingdom. The kingdom is life. The kingdom is all-consuming. The kingdom of God is what we're here for. Amen? And so I'm so excited about today. Um, You know, this is Kingdom Builder Sunday. And today, I want to talk to you about sacrificing like a son. Sacrifice like a son. We've been talking about living as sons and daughters of the king. So I wanted to talk to you about this, Mark. I mean, Adam, you know you're not supposed to come between a marriage, right? Like that's right in the whole. You, you understand that, right? John, how are you letting this happen? <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, usually the last number of years, this Sunday would have been in the first week of December-ish, last week of November. But we had a lot of stuff going on and some thing, you know, difficulties even in my own life and with my mom's cancer journey and all that kind of stuff, so it got delayed. And so here we are today uh, doing our Kingdom Builders Sunday. And, uh, you know, Kingdom Builders is an exciting day for me because it's about, it's about giving. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh boy, he's going to do a giving sermon. Yes, I am. And, uh, you know, I, I, wanna, it's, I find social media a funny place, right? And uh, I, as most of you know, I don't engage in it at all. But every once in a while, someone will send me a screenshot or something that someone says. And, you know, and it was funny, the last couple of weeks, someone posted something, and then somebody else said, well, Desert Stream is, you know, and all they ever talk about is money. I'm like, really? Huh. Well, this isn't going to help them, because I'm going to do it again today. <clears throat> you know, so it, so it caused me to go back and, and, and look. And, you know, last time I actually did a series on tithing was 2011. So for those who, you know, are like, oh, that's all they ever talk about. I mean, sure, we mention it, but that's not the case. But this morning, I'm going to talk about giving. So uh, if that's an offense to you, then it's probably because you don't like to give. So um, we'll pray for you. And, uh, you know, the Bible, Bible is, a, is a book of giving. The Father, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten Son. He didn't withhold him. He gave him. He sowed him as a seed into this world for the redemption of humanity. Aren't you glad that God's a giver? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, all right, this is going to be fun. So before I get into the projects and all that kind of stuff, we'll save that to the end. Let me give you a little bit of brief history about Kingdom Builders here at Desert Stream. Um, My wife and I were at our general conference in Victoria, British Columbia, uh, in 2018. And the speaker that year was a guy named Rob Ketterling. And uh, Rob was uh, uh, the pastor of the largest missions giving church uh, in the Assemblies of God, I think in all of America. And, uh, and they, they love to give. They love to give. And uh, it's interesting that I happened to tune in and watch it just to River Valley and clicked on previous message. And guess what came up? It was their Kingdom Builders Sunday. And I didn't even know that. I just clicked on it. And their goal for Kingdom Builders in 2023 was, are you ready for this? $12 million. $12 million. And uh, he, he said, I, I, I'm sorry to announce we didn't quite make it. He put up on the screen, he said, we, what we brought in for Kingdom Builders in 2023 was $11,575,000. $11 million. And, and he said, part of Kingdom Builders, a large portion, portion for them is missions. And there's other missions giving that comes in, but Kingdom Builders has a number of projects and missions and all the rest of it. Their missions giving to the Assemblies of God that year in 2023 was $10 million. Uh, by far the largest missions giving church 
in America in the Assemblies of God. And uh, they have some audacious goals. I, as I listened to Rob speaking, he said one of their faith goals is they want to have from their house, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, by the way, this isn't in Los Angeles or, or someplace like that. It's, this is Minneapolis, Minnesota. Maybe they give because it's so cold and they're, they're you know, uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, he said that their goal is to have 500 missionaries that are people from their house that they send to the world. And he goes, that's their goal. At present, they're at 257 people from their church that they, that they fund and they've sent and that those are missionaries from their church. He said, I don't know of any church in the history of America that has, he said, 500 missionaries from their church, but that's our goal is 500 and they're at 257 at the end of 2023. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing. Their church doesn't waste any time uh, arguing about tithes versus offerings, digital versus cash, offering plates versus online, missions versus general budget. Rather, they are wholeheartedly committed to accomplishing the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they understand that it takes money, finances, to get it done. Hello? That's it. So that practical. Deuteronomy 8.18 says it well. It says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He, everybody say He, He who gives you power to what? Can anybody finish that? To get wealth, to obtain wealth. That He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers, as it is this day. So in other words, what the Bible is telling us there is that God is saying that He has given you the power. He's given you the power as a covenant promise. A covenant promise so that you would have the power to obtain wealth. Now, what does that tell us? Well, first of all, that power comes from God, but he wants you to wield the power. So in other words, you can't sit at home watching TV and say, God, please make me rich. He's given you the power to obtain wealth, to get wealth. So you have to go out and get it. Do you see that? So you have to be somebody who's willing to work. You have to be somebody who's willing to, to invest. You need to be somebody who's willing to put some seed and some time and some energy into the ground in order to see a return on your investment. Hello? And the reason he said to do it, it's interesting, he said it isn't so that you could just be wealthy and you could brag to everybody about how rich you are. But it's so that he could establish his covenant this day as it was with, his four, with your forefathers. That he wants the covenant of God the covenant promises of God to be experienced by us as they were experienced by our forefathers and to make that a living testament to the world. This is what God has told us. He's given us that power, church. He's given us that power. And, uh, and I think it's very important that he wants us to do that and that we need to exercise that in order to declare his covenant here on the earth. Now, I, I did a little bit of statistical running around. There's not that many statistics out there about giving in Canada, but I can tell you this, whenever I've encountered them, Canadians as a whole give less to charity, whether it's church or anything else, than Americans. Now, I don't mean as a nation, I mean per capita, all right? And probably some of that justification is we pay a lot more taxes, so people say we have less disposable income, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, I, I could see that. But as a whole, but I'm going to give you some American statistics. So if you want to know what the Canadians are with, with respect to this, they're probably less, all right? But uh, anyway, consider the following. Tithing stats. 5% of churchgoers tithe, according to Church Development Survey in America. 5%. Out of the 247 million U.S. citizens who identify as Christians, so this isn't necessarily churchgoers, just people who identify as Christian. 1.5 million people tithe. 1.5 million out of 247. So that is a 0.5% of those who identify as Christian tithe. So if you're an anti-tither, relax, you're winning. All right? 77% uh, of tithers give, here's interesting though, 77% of those who tithe, three quarters of those who tithe give more than 10%. Hmm, isn't that interesting? You know, we've often taught that tithing opens up something in your heart about giving. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, in many ways a crucifixion of the flesh. And I find it interesting, three quarters don't just give 10%, they give more. And if every Christian tithed 10%, faith organizations in the United States would have $139 billion more every year in order to do the work of the kingdom. 
$139 billion. Now let's just get into some general giving information. The average weekly donation amount made per churchgoer, so this is somebody who goes to church, is $17. This adds up to $73.67 a month, or $884 per year. These days, Christians are giving about 2.5% of their income. Now, that's not just to the church, but that's to everything, which is much less than they used to give in past generations or decades. The Christian uh, church charity statistics indicate that 17% of households in the United States donate much less to local charities, uh, local churches, compared to what they used to give. And the amount of donated money has reduced by 20% for those who are 77% of those who are regular churchgoers. So uh, of the population that's a regular churchgoer, giving has been going down among regular churchgoers by 20%. Boy, that's not happening, though, at uh, River Valley Church in Minneapolis, is it? No. Now, here's some digital giving stats I found. I thought this was interesting. Statistics show that adding an online giving option increases church donations by 32%. Hallelujah. That's why Desert Stream's doing so well. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, 76% of people, are you ready for this? Why is that first point true? Because 76% of people don't carry more than $50 in cash in their wallet at any time. That's a pretty high statistic. The giving preferences of those who tithe are almost evenly split between online giving and traditional giving. 30% of churchgoers, 45 to 54 years of age, say they prefer making their donations with credit cards or debit cards. And more than half of churchgoers, age 22 to 44, would give more to offset the costs if they knew their church was paying credit card and debit fees for processing. Well, let me tell you, we do pay credit card and debit fees for processing. So now that you know that, feel free... Uh, even on Realm, I believe now they start, have they started offering an option for you to pay the fees associated to it as well. So you can help offset that for us. And, uh, and if you want to, the option is there. Now, I have people try to engage me in arguments about giving, in particular about tithing all the time. And where I used to love a good argument, I refuse to get dragged into those discussions. It isn't that I don't have strong beliefs about giving, nor that I won't share those beliefs with the church. I have, I do. And I will this morning. It's just that arguing achieves very little. And is actually detrimental to the church overall, especially and especially harmful when it's carried out in social media. So if people want to engage me in that, that's, not, that's never going to happen. I'm just not going to do it. If you want to have a conversation with your views about it, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about it. But I ain't going to engage with you on social media about it because I believe that that is the worst thing we can possibly do. And it isn't just about giving. If you have uh, an issue or concern about anything in your faith, your theology, or whatever, the worst place to start venting is in social media. Because the last thing an unsafe person see, needs to see is you and all your laundry. Hello? Am I making any sense to anybody? You know, what, what they need to see is a body of believers that despite disagreements, loves on other, each other so much that they don't allow disagreement to get in the way. Hello? Isn't that the world needs to see? Somebody agree with me here this morning. Praise the Lord. So if you want to know my thoughts, here are my thoughts on giving. Yes, if you want to know, does the pastor tithe? Yes, I do. You can ask uh, Elizabeth, uh, whoever does the, the thing. You say, you tithe? That's kind of weird. Don't you get like the money from the church? Uh, yes, I do. And then I tithe right back, and, and I don't just get them to automatically take it out, because that kind of seems weird to me. I... I receive it, and then I tithe it back, and uh, because just like everybody else does, and I do that. So now you say, well, are you forced to do that because you're a pastor? No, I'm not. Uh, I, I haven't tithed all my Christian life. I missed it by two weeks. I, I became a Christian when I was 17 years of old, uh, of age, I should say, working at a clothing store called Lipson's Clothing Store in Napanee, uh, working uh, uh, Friday and Saturday and usually one day a week in the evenings. And um, anyway, I was 17 years old in high school, and I had been a, a dope fiend and all kinds of other things, came to Christ. And the second week, I believe it was, that I was at church, I was at a New Believers class, and that Sunday, the New Believers class was talking about tithing. I said, oh, okay. And I started doing it, and I've been tithing since the, literally, I was two weeks old in the Lord. So, did anybody put a gun to my head? Did anybody tell me I had to do it or I wouldn't be saved? Did anybody tell me that, you know, it was an obligation of the law or anything else? I know, I don't remember how they put it to me at all. I just remember someone saying, that's what you're supposed to do. So I said, okay. 
That's how simple my faith was. And I've done it ever since. And oh, how I have financially suffered. It has been terrible. The burden on me has been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that certainly proved to me is that you can't outgive God. My wife and I have lived in blessing, and, and we've, we could tell you that the more you give, that the, the, that the Father just has this way of multiplying it back to you. And we've experienced in that our life over and over and over again. And uh, probably to the point where people go, wow, must be nice, you know. And I'm like, yeah, it is nice. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm pretty happy with it. And, uh, you know, it's not that we, we're living in a you know, place where we have all kinds of money and we make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, no. Uh, in fact, we've never made $100,000. But the reality is, is that if you practice God's word, God is faithful. Now, here's the thing. I don't believe there's any legal obligation to tithe in the new covenant. I've spent a lot of time looking this stuff out. Um, there's no punishment against those who do not tithe. By God's grace and his sacrifice, he took the punishment for all of our shortcomings on the cross. So where in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, if you didn't tithe, there was, there was punishment. There was Actually, if you withheld the tithe, you had to pay 20% interest. How do you like that? That's, that's quite the interest program. And, uh, but the reality is, under the New Covenant, Jesus Christ took the punishment for our, our sins, for our weaknesses, everything. He took it upon the cross. And so, if you're here this morning and, say, and you know, you're saying, well, I, 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 I don't, don't tithe. I didn't know there was such a thing as tithing. Relax. Take it easy. It's okay. And there's no interest on it either. Don't worry about it. Are you hearing me this morning? Because the tithing was set up in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant in order to take care of the, the Levites and the priesthood. And so the idea being is that since everybody was pretty much a, a farmer in one way or, or another, that a, a tithe of all that they had would take care of those who were uh, their spiritual leadership. Amen? If the church was trying to live on, uh, you know, farmers today's tithes, I think we'd, we'd suffer pretty badly since about 1% of the population is agrarian today. But the reality is, is that the New Testament had other ways to encourage us to give. And we're going to so now, why do I tithe? Because I believe it's still a biblical principle. I believe that the, the reality is, is that even though the legal curse is, is not attached to it, if I don't tithe, I believe the blessings of God will still follow it if you do. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Again, can you outgive God? No. So I believe that there's a, there's a faithfulness of God that if I'm going to commit something like that to him, then God says, I am going to bless that. Does that make sense to anybody? And so I believe all the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. Amen? And so I, I, I'm going to continue to do that. Um, I've never encountered, this is interesting, I've never encountered anyone arguing against tithing because they felt the 10% was too small. Never. Never had anybody say, Pastor, you've sh- you got to stop teaching that 10%. We should be given 20. Never had anybody say that to me. They've always argued about well, you know, it's so hard on, on, on my bank account. I, you know, how do you expect somebody to, to give? How do you expect somebody to live? How do you expect somebody to do it? Um, bottom line is, hey, I understand that. And, uh, and that's why whatever you're going to do, however you're going to give, however you're going to uh, test God in this, whether it's through the tithe and, you, and, and you're going to do that or whether you're going to trust him for, in your offerings or whatever, understand this, it's a faith move. That you're going to, you have to give by faith. We're supposed to do everything by faith, right? And if it isn't by faith, if it's under obligation or law or condemnation or guilt, it's not going to work. Because we're supposed to be, as Christians, we're supposed to live by faith. That the just will not live by law anymore. The just will live by faith. So you need to do it by faith. My faith is that I can't outgive God. So, you know, do I tithe? Yes. Do I more than tithe? Yes. Do I give to projects in, the, in Kingdom Builders like everybody else? Yes. Because I have faith that God will empower me to be able to do whatever I set my mind to do. Now, I also believe God wants to prosper you. This is one of my final things I'll say about this. I think we should all desire to be wealthy. Well, pastor, I think you know. No, hear me out. Why? Why should we all desire to be wealthy? Well, because... As we read earlier in Deuteronomy, it's one of God's covenant promises to us that he wants to 
He wants to give us the power to obtain wealth. But why should we all desire to be wealthy? Because, here it is, are you ready for this? You can't give what you don't have. Does that not make sense? I have a knowledge about electricity. My dad was an electrician. Um, I've wired many houses, wired both my boys' houses, rewired John and Amanda's house. I've Rod Moorcroft, I believe, I wired your house years ago. I mean, I've wired lots of people's houses. I mean, I've done it. And, uh, and uh, so I, I learned that. Why am I able to give that ability away? Because I possess it. I couldn't give it away if I don't possess it. Are you hearing me? And, and money is a tool just like knowledge of electricity or plumbing or carpentry or anything else. If you don't have it, you can't give it. So I'll tell you right now, I'm not a proponent of giving your way out of debt. I have preachers that'll argue with me about it, but I'm, I'm not a proponent of that. I believe that, that in order to get out of debt, you need to trust God with your finances. You need to begin to practice a life of giving, but you don't say, okay, God, I'm $10,000 in debt. I'm going to give $10,000 to, to you, and so you're going to pay that debt for me. I don't believe you should do that. You know why? Because that's not your money. When you're in debt, that's not your money. It's the person's, you're giving away the money that belongs to somebody else. Are you understanding me? So if I'm $10,000 in debt, and I'm giving $10,000 in the offering, that $10,000 I just gave, I didn't give it. Whoever I owe the money to just gave it. And they're probably not very happy about it. Are you hearing me? And so... It, you, and to get out of debt, you need to practice a financially disciplined life. Yes, you need to give. It needs to be part of your life, but it needs to be part of your overall life plan and purpose. You don't give just to get out of debt. You give so that God can bless you and increase your wealth so that you can give more. Right? And so there's a little bit of discipline in this. And we learned a couple weeks ago, where does discipline come from? A relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit. So we get a discipline from the Holy Spirit to be able to exercise financially so that we can do the right thing. Hello? That's all for free this morning. Finally, I believe in generosity because, and I believe in investing, and I believe in giving as a son and not as an orphan. What's the difference? An orphan gives so he can get. A son gives because he has. Do you get that? An orphan gives so he can get. He wants to earn his adopted parent's favor. He wants to, he wants to earn the friend, his friendship, friend's favor. He wants to earn this. He wants to earn that. No, 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 no. Uh, a, a son gives because his father has, owns the business and he has all the resources to give whatever he wants. I give as a son, not as an orphan. Isn't that cool? Woo! Man, that whole revelation of sonship is just coming right home to roost, isn't it? That's why I give. I give as a son, not as an orphan. Hallelujah. Now, having said that, my good friend C.S. Lewis had this to say. What did C.S. Lewis say about giving? He said, well, I do not believe one can settle how much we can give. So he puts it right out there, just like I was saying a minute ago. I'm afraid the only safe rule is this, to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standards common among those who have the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. So if you make a hundred grand a year and you're just as indulgent and, and, and doing all the same things as, as your buddy who works beside you is a heathen who makes a hundred grand a year, and it's not pinching you at all, you don't have to make any sacrifices to give, then you're probably giving too little. That's what he said. Hmm, interesting. Why? Because, again, the father gave. Was it a sacrifice for the father to give his son? You better believe it was. That there's sacrifice involved in giving. And we're going to talk more about that right now from King David. All right? So, my thoughts about giving, that's it. Now I'm going to move on to a lesson from King David for Kingdom Builder Sunday. And I'm going to read from, uh, this is from 2 Samuel 24, verses 18 to 25. And it says, on that day, Gad, the prophet, went to David and said to him, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite. So David went up as the Lord had commanded through Gad. 
And when Arona looked and saw that the king and his men were coming toward him, he went out and he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Arona said, Why has the Lord king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor so that I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Arona said to David, Let my lord the king take whatever he pleases and offer it up. Here are my, the oxen for the burnt offering. Here's the threshing sledges and the yokes for the wood. O king, Arona said, I give this all to you. Arona also said to him, May the Lord your God uh, accept you. But the king replied to Arona, No, he said, I insist on paying for it. And then he said this, I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David brought the threshing, bought the threshing floor and the oxen, and he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. And David built an altar to the Lord there, and he sacrificed burnt offerings there and fellowship offerings there. Then the Lord answered prayer on, on, in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. And I don't have time to get into all of the history of why they were in the situation they were in. It was because that David disobeyed the Lord, and he took a census of his people, of his fighting men, so that he could feel, feel out how big his army was. And the, basically, the bottom line is that he was trusting in the arm of flesh rather than the, in the arm of God. And a curse came upon him, and God gave him the choice of what way he would be punished for his disobedience. And I'm not here to debate, you know, whether the, uh, the punishment was appropriate or anything else. That's not the issue here this morning. But when uh, David, in his broken state, came to the Lord and, and, and was, you know, obeying the Lord to... Uh, make a sacrifice to see the plague broken upon his people. He said those profound words, that I will not give to my Lord God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So what lessons can we, re we learn from that response of David's this morning? I think it tells us that we should offer God our best. We shouldn't give God scraps of our time, uh, our spare energy, our leftover resources, which is, if we're honest, you know, that's how we usually approach God. David's willingness to pay for the threshing floor demonstrated his desire to give God his best. He wished to offer something valuable to God. And just so that you know how valuable this land was, the land where uh, Arona's threshing floor was built is where Solomon's temple ended up being built in Jerusalem. This is the place that turned into the habitat uh, of God for the people in the Old Testament. Secondly, what else we learn? True devotion involves personal sacrifice. David understood that offering a sacrifice to God was a symbol of repentance and reliance on him. In this context, it would have made no sense for him to offer burnt offerings that didn't cost him anything because it was his sin that the people were paying for. So it needed to be David that paid for, that, took, that bore the brunt, the cost of the sacrifice because it was his sin that was being paid for. Secondly, those who have first committed their lives to God make sacrifices and offerings. David went to offer the burnt offering after receiving God's forgiveness. He said, yes, you've been forgiven, now make, go make an offering. And that's how we, we respond as Christians. We don't give so that God will forgive us. We are forgiven, so we give. Do you hear me? We're forgiven. We are his daughters and sons by grace. And because of that, it's in our heart to want to give. Oh man, it's in our heart to want to give, to make offerings unto the Lord because of what he's done for us. And finally, we can only give offerings of what belongs to us. As I already said, if you don't, you don't have, you can't give. So you got to have in order to be able to give. Does that make sense too? Amen. Now, David was not perfect. This isn't the only time we see David confronted by a prophet. Everybody remembers Bathsheba, right? And the prophet of God had to confront him about it. But whenever David, one of the things I love about David is that whenever he's confronted by God about his sin, David repents deeply. He doesn't blame other people. He doesn't try to deflect. He doesn't try to make excuses for his sin. David falls upon the mercy of God whole. Heartedly, he lays his life out and he repents. He's a master class in repentance as David. The song, Create in Me a Clean Heart, that we sing from Psalm 51, right? David wrote that in response. He wrote it in response to his confrontation by the prophet over the sin with Bathsheba. 
And he realized against you and you only have I sinned, O Lord, and done what's wrong in your sight. And then those words, create in me a clean heart, and your psalms are written right then by David. That was the expression after that. David knew what it was to repent. And why do I say that, that, make, that that's important this morning? Because here, here's the truth. It's easy for us to sing, all to Jesus I surrender, while casting a meager amount of our time, our money, our energy, our finances, our gifts to the Lord. All to thee I surrender. But then all of me is held back for me. And God gets only this much. Too often in the modern church, we do the opposite of what David did. David repented, and he always wholeheartedly turned to God. Would give wholeheartedly anything that he could to God. We give God our leftovers. I wonder how our lives and churches would change if we embrace David's philosophy of, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. So conclusion today. Church, hear my heart. Be a cheerful giver. Be someone who serves as a son and gives as a son. Gives because we know that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Make a sacrifice of your time, your effort, your energy, and money. You know, give from the you know, position that you hold in the family business of the kingdom of God. And here's an interesting thing. The, the example of David is a true equalizer. I know that tithing can seem unfair. And uh, if I'll be transparent with you, 10%. If you make, you know, $30,000 a year, 3000 bucks is a sacrifice. You make $300,000 a year, $30,000, unless you're just spending money like an idiot, doesn't make any difference at all. Right? Does anybody follow me? And yet this is a principle in the scripture, 10%. Hmm. And I found it interesting as I was doing research on it. You know, when you're supposed to, when the census David was supposed to take was a, a real census, if you read the scripture, what, that calls the people to give and all have to bring a certain amount of money. And they all have to bring the same money, amount of money, whether they're rich or poor. So no wonder that people hated censuses, whether it was in that time or whether it was in the, whether it was in the, the time of, you know, the birth of Jesus Christ. But tithing can feel that way, and I get that. And, and uh, all I can say is that when we practice it, if we're faithful with little, he will entrust us with much. And so I started that principle when I made literally $50 a week. And I've practiced it right to my present day, regardless of what my financial situation was. And I've always found God faithful. But I can understand that it does seem that way. So that's why I think one of the things we have to recognize is that giving should cost us. It should cost us. Now, for somebody whose income is low, a tithe is costly, and that might be all that they can give. They may not even be able to give that, and there's, there's no guilt. We already talked about that at the beginning. But for somebody whose income is much higher, a tithe is not adequate. What? It's just not. There's an interesting book written by Jeff Anderson, and you should read it. It's called Plastic Donuts. It'll take you an hour, maybe an hour and a half. It's about this thick. And it's only a little coffee table book. And he, he tells a story that illustrates exactly what I'm saying very beautifully. The story of John and Amy. And it says, John's 26-year-old software engineer for a growing tech company. He's pretty satisfied with $110,000 U.S. salary. He makes uh, maximum contributions to his 401k. He enjoys his $1,500 a month apartment near the mountains and his new mini SUV. He's particularly glad that when he bought the SUV, he purchased the special edition sports package to accommodate his skis in the winter and his bicycle in the summer months. John is excited to begin his new life with Amy, his soon-to-be bride. When Amy saw the small velvet box that he pulled from his pocket, it took her breath away. But when she opened the box, her reaction changed. She tried not to appear disappointed when she learned that John had purchased the ring for 250 bucks, She was kind of devastated. Now, Amy's far from a materialistic person, and the amount of money that is spent isn't the issue for her. It was what found insulting was that it, it, it took absolutely no sacrifice, nothing from him to do this. And John was a little embarrassed and a little defensive at Amy's reaction. And then John said something that he would later regret. He said, honey, the amount I paid for the ring doesn't matter so much. It's the heart that counts. Now, Jeff continues in his book. 
He said, in my discussion with Christians about giving, no opinion has been more frequently expressed to me than this one. The amount doesn't really matter. It's about the heart. It's all about the heart. He said, I understand the good intentions behind this statement. The problem is the message is wrong. Often we pull the heart card to avoid deeper questions about the amount of money that we give. While the heart is crucial to the act of giving and to our gifts, the amount matters too. In fact, it's the amount that helps engage the heart. During Jesus' famous message that we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught about the connection between our heart and the amount of money that we would give. And he said this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whenever you invest your money, wherever you invest your money, a force pulls your heart along with it. So if you spend an amount that matters very little to you, it will move your heart very little. But if you spend an amount that matters a lot to you, then it will move your heart in that direction a lot. The amount gets the attention of the heart. Now, you can argue with a lot of stuff, but that principle is, is, is so true. It gets the attention of the heart. You know, I'll illustrate it for you. When we first got married, we had a Plymouth Valari. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. We had a Plymouth Valari. You remember the commercials? Volari. Oh. Yes, it had a slant six in it. Yeah, indestructible motor. This car was so slick. If you stepped on the gas, it was so powerful that you went and flew back and you were looking up at the ceiling. Actually, it had nothing to do with how powerful the car was. It had to do with the fact the seat was broken. I had to prop it up with a two-by-six in the back to hold the seat sitting up straight. So my wife and I come out of the hotel on our honeymoon, and we come out to the parking lot, and somebody has slammed into the back quarter panel of our Volari. Huge dent in the car. We just looked at each other and laughed and got in the car and drove away. That was not going to spoil our honeymoon at all. No, 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 no. And, and not just because we're in a good mood because we're on a honeymoon, but because we didn't care. We had nothing invested in that car. It was given to us, and it had, we had to spend a little bit of money to put it on the highway. It was a bucket of bolts. And the fact that somebody smacked it, I was like, eh, who cares? There was not much of my heart attached to that car, Right? Because there was not much of my money attached to that car. Now, in 2020, I bought a brand new Dodge Ram pickup. Eco diesel. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'd saved up a lot of money to buy this truck. And so, and I'd invested a lot of time and research and all the rest of it. I went out and bought my truck. I only had the truck for a month. By the way, uh, I, I had the truck paid for in five months. So we had saved a lot of mon- money and we planned for it. Just if you want financial counseling, we planned for it. I hate making payments with interest. Interest is evil, unless it's working for you. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> then, so I'm, I have a Grace Inn board meeting, and I hadn't eaten dinner, so I said to Rob, I said, you know, you want to go get something to eat? So we said, sure. So we're going to go slap shots and get some wings after our Grace Inn board meeting, which was up in Belcon in the industrial park. So it's on the way home, pull in there, pull in the parking lot, and anyway, I, 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 come out of, I parked in the farthest corner, not near any vehicles, because my car, my truck, has a lot of my heart attached to it. And I go outside to get in the truck, and I nose it in, so the back was sitting out, and there's a guy sitting on the porch on the little side street, just north of, uh, of Slap Shots, that is sitting there. And he comes running out, you know, no shirt on, everything else. Hey, buddy! He said, somebody just slammed right in the back into your truck there. Then he just took off. And he goes, I don't think your truck was hurt too bad, but his car was wrecked. And I'm like, well, that's karma right there. But anyway, so I looked at my truck, and I'm like, oh, man, he did put a dent in the bumper. And I was like, I pushed it in. And I'm like, oh, you know. Now, I didn't totally freak out because my heart's more invested with God than it is with my truck. But it, the truck mattered more than my Velari. Why? Because there's a lot more of my money went into that truck than went into the Valari. Because your heart follows where you've invested your finances. Am I making any sense? And so why is my heart passionate about this church? Because a lot of my finances have invested in this church. Why am I, is my heart passionate with the, the, the Baileys or anybody else? Because my finances have, have went in that direction as well. And my heart's attached to it. And the, my heart's attached to it because my, my finances have went to it. And it works the other way around as well. That, that you know, 
uh, you know, it said, you know, the where your, your treasure is, your heart will maybe also, but where your heart is, your treasure should be also as well. So if you say that your heart's into something, your treasure should follow it. Right? Am I making any sense here this morning? You're saying, man, this is an awful long conclusion. You're right, it's almost as long as my message. But uh, anyway. <laughs> so when it comes down to our gifts to God, amount does matter. Now, everybody's amount's going to be different because everybody has different levels of capacity. And I get that. But it needs to be an amount that causes us to make sacrifice. Are you hearing me? It needs to cost us. And it, and it matters because, well, the amount matters to us because it's sacrificial, then it matters to God. If I was to come up here this morning and throw a, a dollar in that offering, that's not the widow's mite. Her little mite that she gave got the attention of God because it was everything she had. The Pharisee that came up and threw whatever he threw in, which was a lot more than her, didn't capture the heart of God. Right? So if I was to come up here today and I was to put a loony in the offering bucket, that's not going to get the attention of God. Because I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically just, I'm, I'm not even tipping God. Hello? But when I give, I want to give something that shows my heart is there with you, Lord. That's why the amount matters. And if it doesn't matter to me, if the amount I'm giving doesn't matter to me, then it likely doesn't matter to God either. Because he doesn't need your money. He needs you to release your money. Hello? He doesn't need our money. He needs us to release our money. He has chosen to work through us here on planet Earth. That's how he's chosen to operate. Praise the Lord. So what matters to you? My spouse matters to me. She's got a lot of my treasure, I can tell you that much. <sighs> My family matters to me. They've gotten a lot of my treasure too. Many times, over and over again. And it just gets more expensive the older they get. You know what I'm saying? But God's kingdom matters to me too. That's why the church gets a lot of my finances. My missionaries get a lot of my finances. Then my treasure follows where my heart is. They have my heart, so my treasure follows it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wow, that's pretty good, eh? Now, I'm already 10 minutes over, but I really felt I needed to do that. And so now I'm just going to quickly, if I can, get this up on the screen, and it's probably already timed out. So let me just see if it is going to be up there. Is it working, Gord? Ha! Praise the Lord. It's the only technical thing that's worked today. Hallelujah. <laughs> so Kingdom Builders 2024. Let me just go through this really quickly for you. Last year, our goal was 115. We didn't quite make it. We brought in $101,000 last year. Someone say amen. amen. Now, just so you know, this isn't the regular you know, giving in the church, tithes or offerings that people give that we operate by. This is projects and missions that we're doing here and above our giving, and we raise an additional $101,000. And uh, the year before that, we raised the full hundred fifteen. dollars We paid off our mortgage last year and all kinds of stuff because of that. Amen. And so we're a debt-free house. Someone say debt-free. Debt Come on. Praise the Lord. So, but this year, all right, let me, uh, again, why, how do we break this down? People wonder. We talk about giving where you grow. That's your church. So we, we have projects that we're doing here in the church that are outside our regular budget, and that's what give where you grow is. Then we talk about give where you live, and then we talk about give where you go. All right, give Grow, give where you live, give where you go. And uh, so give where you grow. That's here at the house. What are we doing this year? We're going to put a highway sign out there. And uh, the, the letter board at the bottom of our sign is as old as dirt. I think this building was built 40-some years ago. The sign went up then. And it's so broken that we don't even bother trying to change letters in it now. It's, it's disgraceful. And uh, we want to put a digital sign up there and enter the 21st century we want to have an LED board up there. We can communicate everything that's going on right now. Even if we could change it, you can only advertise one thing at a time unless Mark's going to stand out there all day switching the letters constantly about around. And I don't think that is very functional. And also the whole board needs repair. The, if you drive by here at night, you'll notice the lights are out again at the top. And 
we've got to change, do some work in there. So that whole cost is going to be $30,000. So uh, it's, and we're only replacing the, the board at the bottom that's the letter board, all right? So the, the big thing at the top, and then where it says Blanc Believe become stays the same, it's the white reader board at the bottom that's broken. That's going to get changed, all right? And so we're going to, and you say, wow, that's awful small. It's going to cost that much. It's eight feet by four feet double-sided. It's a lot bigger than it looks. Go out and stand beside the sign, and you'll realize just how big it is. And so it's something that we can program from the church, sends it out by Wi-Fi, puts it up on the board, and away we go, and we're able to communicate to people coming both ways on the road. All right. And then we want to double down again on our investment, the next-gen leadership. That was part of our goal last year. Almost all of our money came in last year designated one thing or another. Only 5000 came in designated to that. All of the other projects consumed the money. So we have 5000 that we have that we're investing in uh, the youth leadership in Ryan and Chrissy this year, but we want to budget 20000 for that next year, and we believe we can do it. So what we raised last year is going out to them this year. What we raised this year will go out to them next year. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? All right, so we got a whole year to raise that money, $20,000. Eventually, we would love to have uh, youth leadership uh, full-time, but that's going to take a while uh, because Ryan makes way more money than I do, and so I'm not sure how we're going to do that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's in Italy right now, suffering for Jesus, working over there with the company. Uh, But anyway, uh, next thing, Uh, Kingdom Builders, give where you live. I like that. Somehow I got the eye missing out of there. All right, here we go. We're giving, uh, we're, we're donating again $5,000 again to Grace Inn this year. Uh, they have a patio out on the side of the building that has um, no roof on it. And so, you know, our, the guests there are out. Uh, that's their smoking area, their hanging out area, and they're getting pounded in the rain, pounded in the snow. The staff has to shovel it out. We want to cover it over so that they can enjoy that area without uh, those kind of problems and then also queen elizabeth's food program which is now east hill everybody say east hill east hill uh, elementary school and uh that school is now a merger between uh queen elizabeth and queen vic and it'll be both schools there this september and so over the course of this year as we finish out this year and next year uh we're going to increase that to ten thousand dollars make that investment in the school and we're excited to be able to do that then uh, fine, next one is give where you go. Uh, I'm excited this year because the bulk of our projects are focused back on international missions this year. And so we've got quite a few of them this year. Uh, we're working with the Baileys to create an outreach uh, facility on their property. This is a kind of like a, a church, if you will. It's going to have a covered canopy kitchen area there. It's a $40,000 project. We've committed 10000 of that to uh, uh, Mike and Jeanette. And so we're going to be committing 10000 to that project. Remember, how many remember Jess Canelon that was here uh, a number of months ago from Israel? And he's doing a, a winter sports project there. He also produces phenomenal videos about uh, the Bible in Israel and it coming to life in Israel. And so that ministry, we've committed uh, $10,000 a year to that committee. I've already had a person who's, who's committed 5000 of the 10000 So we're already halfway on that one. And... Uh, and he leased the land right before the war broke out, right before October 7th. So now some of you are thinking, well, then it's not going to go ahead. You have to understand that life, Israel lives on the edge, the cusp of war almost all the time. Life goes on. I mean, there, there's a lot of reservists have been called up and all the rest of it. And there's bombs falling all over Israel all the time that you don't hear about in the news, but it's happening. Uh, last week, 4,000 rockets were fired into Israel last week. And uh, that's the stuff you don't hear in the news, but unless you dig for it, but it's there. And so you need to uh, pray for Jess and uh, for the family, but they want to move there permanently and get this project going. And just so you know, this is also a four-year commitment we're making. So uh, we've had a pledge of 5000 for four years, and we're going to match that pledge of 5000 for four years, and we're going to accomplish that. And then I've extended the challenge to Ken because they're looking for $25,000 a year legacy partners that we'll take our 10000 and see if the rest of the network would raise the other fifteen, and then we would do a $25,000 commitment. So maybe Ken will give you an update on where that's going uh, next week. And then Broken Walls, we're raising 20000 to send Broken Walls to Fort Hope in northern Ontario. Uh, Jonathan, you can ask him about it later. He'll be, he's here this morning, praise the Lord. And uh, there's a music festival that they've done there for, in the past 
But of course, COVID and all the rest of it, it those things have dissipated. And Joe and Ann Waswa, who have been here many times before, and our church has partnered with them in the past, want to restore the music festival and get it going. It's a tremendous outreach to the people that live in the north. They come from all, all over, fly in for it, and we're going to help spearhead that and cover Jonathan and the team's way to be heart, the headliners in that, and it's going to be fantastic. And Mark, you can get some people to start handing those out right now. Uh, as we're going. I've got a pamphlet about this this morning. And, uh, and then another thing is pastors' missions travel. So, um, yeah, yeah, you can handle the pledge cards too. If I could just get you to focus with me just for five more minutes. Uh, listen, as pastors, we have traveled in missions many times as a church. I know something. That has none of the missions travel that I've done or Pastor Mark has done or Mark McFall has done has ever cost the church anything. And you're like, what? We, we have had been blessed to have supporters in the past who were able to help us, and we have been able to do what we do because of the generosity of those who've been able to partner with us to make that happen. We have not taken anything out of the church's general budget or their missions budget to be able to do that travel. And so uh, we're at, what we're looking to this year in 2025 is we have some uh, projects that we want to be a part of. And so this is an opportunity for you as a church, if you'd like to contribute to that, to help out the pastoral team to be able to do that and not have it still not have it something that comes out of the general budget of the church. That's not our desire. We raise our support for that. Then that's what this is about. And that's 15,000 that we're raising for that. Now that's a lot of projects. What does that come out to? Are you ready for this? Give where you grow 30,000 and 20,000 give where you live uh, 10,000 and 5,000 give where you go. Uh, 10,000, 10,000, 20,000, 15,000. That looks like a lot. You're right, it is. It is $120,000 that we're looking to raise this year. $120,000. I believe that we can do it. Our highest kingdom builders year was 128,000 one year. And, um, and I didn't discover that number until I was already printed off the brochures. So uh, you'll notice I've got some history in there on the back, but it was 128,000. We are excited about what God has done in the past, but we're looking forward to what God's going to do in the future. We believe that we as a church are a missions-giving church. We've demonstrated over and over again. We're going to be updating our missions wall here in the church. Uh, we're going to be getting a lot of that information updated for you. We believe that God has his hand upon the house. And again, why do we do this, Kingdom Builders? Because uh, our, our missions-giving which is about $50,000 a year that we give to support missionaries, is, it comes out of our general budget. We guarantee that out of our general budget. The missionaries don't have to raise that in our house. That is, comes out of our general budget. This is projects that we raise for missions uh, on top of that, and we're excited about it. It may not be $11,575,000, but I'll bet you $11,575,000 is a sacrifice still for that church. Um, yeah, I don't think you'd have any doubt believing that. And $120,000 will require sacrifice from us. You might have to give up a latte or two. You might have to you know, actually cook instead of doing skip the dishes. I, I know. The burdens that we have to bear. But I believe that God, together, we can do it. So I'm going to invite you all to stand with me, and I'm sorry I have to rush it a little bit. But uh, please read over the pamphlet. It, I did my best to express our heart in there. Uh, the pledge cards are there. If you could get those in. As soon as prayerfully go home and say, God, what would you have me do? What is an amount that I could give that, that Lord would be representative of my heart, of the sacrifice in my life? And furthermore, if you don't designate, it's easier for us. But if you want to designate, then my challenge would be, if you want to designate to one of these projects and, and uh, you want to take the whole project, we'd love that. Uh, otherwise, if you don't designate, it makes it easier for us uh, as we're dispersing it out to the different things. Because sometimes what happens is, it's too much designated and it goes to, you know, one thing and they have to call people and say, are you okay? We've already got them out for that. Can we get directed here? And I've had to make those phone calls. But if you come to me and say, pastor, I just want to underwrite, you know, the, the entire uh, project in the Philippines, I am not going to turn you down. I just want you to know that. Uh, but otherwise, if you could just put an amount down and, and, and not designate, that's very helpful to us in our bookkeeping. That would be fantastic. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. All right, join hands with somebody beside you because we're going to do this together. We're going to make this happen together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with you for the kingdom of God. Father, there's a lot of projects on here this year, 
And Father, there's a lot of stuff we want to do uh, both in our city and around the world. And Father, we're excited about everything that's in front of us. And Lord, we ask for your grace to, Father, give us the ability to, Lord, look at our finances and accept the challenge from you, Lord, and say, Lord, what can I do to be a part of this? Father, I thank you, Lord, that the spirit of David is in this house, that, Lord, we, we will not give to the Lord that which costs us nothing. Father, there will be a, a sacrifice involved, but, Father, there'll be rejoicing when we see uh, the fruit that this produces, both here in our city and around the world. And, Father, we thank you for the privilege of partnering with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, please go get your kids before they burn the place down. And uh, God bless you, and we'll see you next week.